Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to today's episode of the Mastering Retention Podcast. I'm Tom Hammond, co-founder of UserWise and your host today. Um, today, we have a very special treat. We have Miss Bakit Ada Raliva. Hopefully, I got that right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're, we get to talk about a, a topic that's near and dear to my heart, which is uh, tooling and operations and stuff. And, you know, it, it's one of those things that I think a lot of people almost kind of neglect and don't really think about the fact of like, hey, I've just got to like build this game. And then finally you get through this process of building the game and then you go live and you realize I don't have anything to actually operate this game or run this game. And then it's just like a sprint to try to get there and stuff. So um should be super fun. Um, before we dive into things, Paquito, I always like to ask, you know, What's your journey? Like, how did you get into games and, and where you are today? Uh, yes, absolutely. I completely agree with you. And I've had the same experiences with, you know, working in games, uh, of launching games and also lacking some tools <laughs> and things like that. So I've had a, quite a bit of journey and I got into gaming, uh, to the mobile gaming industry quite uh, by a chance or maybe even ac accidentally. So my background is completely different or my education. I, I studied uh, political science in the U.S. in Colorado, in CU Boulder. So I had uh, these um, aspirations to work with people in governments and kind of have this kind of change uh, for you know society, people, maybe continue uh, with law. Um, but then uh, it happened so that, you know, I moved to Finland uh, because of family reasons. Uh, and it was a completely different uh, setting for me and environment and country and language. So I had to restart kind of thinking of what I'm going to do uh, for, for work. And uh, as you know, Finland is very uh, well known for games and it has grown. There has been, uh, you know, a few uh, very well known companies then and still startups then. And yeah, I applied to one of them and that was Supercell. And I got the, you know, the job working as a customer support specialist, uh, working with English speaking players and Russian speaking players. So that's how my journey started. And I can say that it was a very successful start, <laughs> you know, considering, you know, working with Supercell Games, uh, you know, Heyday, working with Heyday and Clash of Clans, a little bit of uh, Boom Beach uh, when it just soft launched. And um, yeah, so from then on, I went to into EA, uh, worked with SimCity Build It, uh, you know, leading the customer support teams there, uh, you know, remote remote teams um, in Ireland and in India. So as you know, also, it's also quite a nice game and uh, <laughs> quite a successful one as well. And yeah. working at EA was another great journey for me after Supercell. Um, and, and from there on, I wanted to, you know, go into, I realized that I only worked with successful projects, successful games, and everything was really great. And I wanted to try something new. So I went to this newly, uh, you know, open startup at the time. Uh, it was called Armada Interactive. It doesn't exist anymore, but uh, it was, a, you know, in a way, successful startup, uh, very promising. Uh, but after, I think, about seven or eight months, the, the game 
didn't perform as planned and mm. I didn't reach all the goals. So it was calling quits. And I uh, ended up going to another startup from there on. But, uh, you know, during that uh, being in a startup process, I built out, you know, customer support tools and admin tools and, you know, the whole uh, process processes and the whole functions for support and uh, community and even work with like marketing campaigns because as you know working in a small startup you get to do many things or even have to do many things so I wanted to you know use all of my experience that I already had from different companies uh, like you know big companies like Supercell and EA and yeah I, I went on to PlayRaven um, also another great project that uh, was going on at the time, working with um, EVE Online project, making a mobile version uh, with the, you know, uh, Iceland and CCP. And it was a, quite a great journey as well, <laughs> going to Iceland, going to the fan fest and seeing all these passionate players uh, who've been playing the game for so long and really like, this community getting together, uh, you know, playing it for so long, it was really something for me to see players live, uh, you know, passionate, while most of the time, you know, as, as a support person or game dev person, you are working from the office and communicating with players, um, you know, distantly, uh, remotely, but for example, with FanFest, seeing those players was quite, uh, quite an experience. So, yeah, and after that, yeah, another uh, turn happened uh, quite the same year that I ended up at Rovio since PlayRaven then got acquired by Rovio. So since then, I've been at Rovio working um, on a game project with them, uh, which unfortunately last year was, uh, you know, discontinued and killed, as, as it's said in the games industry now. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it has led to many different learnings, uh, but I can uh, proudly also say that what I have built with my team, uh, the tools that we built that actually didn't get killed and it stayed uh, and survived to serve the other Rovio games uh, currently still live, uh, you know, being used by our central technology department there. So yeah, um, customer support has been uh, my, I think quite a passion, I would say. Uh, I really enjoyed working with players. So um, I really try to bring as much value to my work and working and communicating with uh, players also to the game team. Um, I saw it as a big um, kind of a mediator or a, big uh, connector in between uh, i saw myself as a connector between the players and the developers and uh, bringing that uh, you know player experience and communicating it to developers and vice versa so i thought it was a very important role to be in and uh, building the right tools uh, you know from both perspective perspectives uh, that has been my latest endeavor that i have been doing at, at rovio so yeah. yeah, so I hope it gives a <laughs> nice picture on how I got into games and my my whole journey in the gaming industry. I actually think that's an amazing story. And I love how you kind of have this 
player-centric view that you can then apply to the things that you're building and the things that you're doing, because you can always like really empathize with the player and understand what their actual experience is to kind of draw up like, you know, ultimately everything that we're doing is trying to make a better player experience, right? Um, yes. so I love that. Um, cool. So <clears throat> let's do a little like hypothetical scenario. Let's say you and I decide to start a studio today. Um, I think, you know, everyone can agree that, you know, we need a game engine to build a game. So we're probably going to pick either Unity or Unreal. <clears throat> Maybe something else, you know, probably one of those two. Um, let's assume that we've built our game, you know, things are great. And we want to actually look into like really launching and operating this game. Um, can you maybe like give me a list of like what tools and platforms do I actually need to run this live game kind of as a service, you know, especially for folks that are maybe, you know, coming from more traditional PC or console AAA or something like that? Like, what are the things they actually need to, to, to run this game? Yeah, so of course, there are a lot of things to consider, but uh, into plans. Um, but of course, the main things is to set up channels for uh, players to be able to reach, uh, reach out to game developers, uh, to the game makers, because uh, that's the main thing that, um, that's the main relationship that needs to be built out. Uh, because if they don't have that, in my experience, they try to reach out from all the other avenues like they will send an email they'll find the phone number from you know searching online so mm -hmm. setting up the crm tools uh, for communication i think is really key and also in the beginning of the um uh, game building and launching it's really important to know uh, what is what is going on in the game and how the players are reacting. So getting all the feedback and all the bug reports and all the technical issues that are happening initially, quite uh, often players are very invested and are very good at uh, communicating and reporting those issues. So I think from the get-go to try to build out the uh, integrate the CRM tools, uh, like for example, Help Shift and Zendesk is very important. And another thing important that it at, that helps uh, with supporting customers is the administrative tools or the server backend tools, where you can uh, look up all the uh, player account information, um, different platform and device information. Uh, for technical issues uh, to solve, uh, you know, to troubleshoot any any issues that may occur, because you know, working with mobile games and deploying different uh, versions of games, uh, you know, those are quite inevitable. They happen, and uh, you need to fix them. <laughs> you need to communicate what what happened, how it happened, especially when we're talking about uh, players who are, you know, who've invested their time and money. So that's what uh, where it would start. But then as well as you go scaling up the game, there are, of course, many other tools that are needed, like moderation tools um, for, you know, either it's in-game chat, then there's the live operation tools that you need to make deployments, analytics tools uh, that either it's in-house or, you know, um, kind of bought-in uh, tools that are, 
for different needs uh, for community and support and marketing, uh, quality assurance, then there's localization and all, all these different parts uh, in the in the game making. Cool, that's great. Quite a list. Um, so let's maybe like, we'll kind of go through some of these, uh, go into like a little bit more detail. I've got some questions about like what they're useful for, but uh, one of the things that I want to kind of talk about, you know, some of these is like, what are the essential features and what are the nice to have to maybe, you know, help people that are trying to evaluate, like, do I use Zendesk? Do I use something different? Do I try to roll it in-house? You know, different things like that. Um, so, okay. So the first thing you kind of mentioned is it's really important to set up the channels for players to kind of reach out to game developers. Um, do you have any examples of like, have you ever done this wrong? Or like, have you found that there is a good set of channels or ways? Should you try to limit how they are? Should you have a whole bunch of them? Like what lessons have you learned around, you know, this area? Um, so of course, in the in the beginning of my um, uh, career in, in gaming, I didn't, I wasn't part of the initial game launch uh, process because the, they were already established games. I joined in quite later in the, in the process, so I had to mostly deal with bigger, big volumes of uh, support, support contacts and tickets, and how to manage that kind of uh, volumes with, you know, and managing, managing basically. Uh, but uh, I think I can share my experiences uh, from the startups where uh, you know we newly launched games. Mm -hmm. uh, we had to set up those kind of tooling, um, so. Of course, uh, sometimes uh, it's, uh, you know, you can set up those tools. Like for example, we used HelpShift and uh, there has been games that are, we used Zendesk and they can be, uh, you know, with different purposes. For example, I found that Zendesk is really good when working with uh, bigger volume uh, games where there's a lot of uh, contacts for managing that kind of things. And HelpShift is very, uh, you know, efficient uh, to for players as well because they can already put contact from in-game uh, it's easier to use and uh, it's more casual so it doesn't seem like you're sending a customer support request it's it's more like in-game chat that you can uh, quickly send a you know send a message so uh, yeah I think there has been times where players couldn't find uh, the uh, how to contact developers so then they uh you know there was suddenly someone was getting a phone call asking you know how to how to you know solve this issue which was an in-game some uh, technical issue and then everyone had to figure out how did he find the phone number for someone in the company <laughs> um so yeah that kind of uh, uh situations i think and that's when we found out, kind of decided that we should make sure that it's visible where uh, they can contact, where it says help or support notes or uh, these kind of setting in the game settings that are you know, visibly uh, available for, for players to contact if they need to, yeah. uh, especially also with purchases. Uh, what are your thoughts about 
um, maybe I want to say like pseudo external channels like a, a Discord or a Facebook group or a forum. Um, have you ever used any of those? Would you recommend it or, or recommend getting away from them? Yes, so um, we've used them all, I would say. Uh, and more recently, more Discord. Uh, I think it's a it's a great tool where you know you it's um, it's kind of an intimate place where players can communicate well and there are quite uh, many good features built in for you know community management and so uh, we've we've used that with the previous game that I worked with for example quite a lot and it was quite active uh, day and night and we had. Um, you know, community managers on it really uh, communicating with players was also having different channels where uh, they were providing support with um, for, you know, troubleshooting issues where pe people could live, just send in all kinds of screenshots, uh, whatever the issue is. And also just general, uh, you know, campaigns like community campaigns they were also doing so i think it's a very useful tool of course facebook and there's instagram all the social media channels are also good but uh discord seems to be for players yeah. it's something that's more used uh than uh, than facebook nowadays and and instagram for example yeah, and there's reddit so, for some folks too have yeah. you ever found that like um like, or have you ever been able to get players to almost do some of the support for you rather than you having to answer every question or like, yes. I've got a question and they, you know, hop in? <laughs> yes. And that's the, that's the greatest uh, example of having a good community and having active players and active fan base. So uh, we've had situations like that where, you know, Obviously, when the game goes live in different countries, there's time zone differences. So when uh, players send a question or they're, uh, you know, raising issues about different uh, things that are happening in the game, uh, you know, in Finland, for example, we don't have such a thing that we don't, we get back to, you know, at 10 o'clock at night when the work is done, we try to usually be done with it uh, just to have, you know, life work balance kind of thing. So and there has been situations where we didn't get to those issues until morning, but those issues have been already addressed by other players who know it better uh, because it could be like game features that are, you know, need explaining or how things happened or they already got a support response uh, to the same issue. So other players, uh, you know, who are more active, they already solved it for them and informed everyone how things are working or what happened or what is the issue and what did the developers say already about it so and it's you know it makes I think it always made everyone quite happy it always made me very happy and I was always you know very happy to share that with with the game developers saying that hey we have this situation going on in Discord, and this is uh, how they responded. And we have this and that player who are, you know, very active and very supportive, and this kind of thing. So, it's a uh, part of uh, building a, a community building, and yeah. you know, having this uh, really building a relationship in a way, you know, with with your player base. That's great. Okay, so I'm going to move on. Um, you kind of mentioned uh, CRM tools are key. Um, can you define like 
what is a CRM in the context of the gaming world? Because, you know, CRMs are used all over the place. Like what maybe like features are most important of a, in like a CRM or like which CRMs would you maybe recommend folks, you know, take a look at? Uh, of course, there are many different tools. Uh, for example, I have, I will give you the examples of tools that I've, um, I've worked with, I have experience with. So as I already mentioned, there is Zendesk, there is HelpShift. Uh, for a little bit, I worked with Salesforce. Um, and one other tool that I can't remember the name of it, but obviously it wasn't my favorite <laughs> since I don't remember the name. So uh, in the gaming, uh, you know, in the mobile gaming context, it's the, the best features are ability for players from the user perspective to be able to send, uh, you know, requests as easy as possible because, you know, as you know, mobile games are very easy to use. It's, you know, the mobile gaming and free to play, it's short um, sessions. People play casually in and out all the time during their free time, maybe five, 10 minutes, and then they quit and they come back. So during that process, if something happens, it needs to be that the tools that we are using should be also something that's easy to use and uh, easily, you know, where they can find information about, you know, getting support, uh, getting troubleshooting their issues, uh, purchase issues, whatever it is. So that's what players nowadays expect that they have well-functioning and easy to use tools. Because when, you know, if you go to a game and you try to send a support ticket and it leads you to an email and then you have to describe everything, it becomes quite troublesome. Sometimes players even, you know, give up in the, in the middle. Um, and sometimes, you know, the valuable information that you might be getting from players or issues are kind of lost. So... I think ease of use and efficient way to reach out and find the information that they're trying to solve is the most valuable using these tools. And of course, from the game uh, maker side or the developer side, and uh, you know, for support purposes, it's the, how easily you can manage all these kind of the player. Uh, base management, uh, all the support tickets, all the questions, and how you can deflect all the support issues. Because when you have millions of players, for example, you cannot uh, manually solve those issues, sending replies. So there's yeah. automation features, there's analytics features, looking at different agents, uh, you know, productivities, uh, how to solve that kind of first response and full response times and there well, yeah, are many KPIs to look at. That one big issue you get like what yeah a huge influx of tickets that everyone you know is encountering the same thing. So I yeah and, and if if there's such situations uh you know there are for example these tools have features where you can actually collect them all and send auto responses where you get you know it's it's more efficient that, that way. And for that, there is tagging systems, how to collect all the same issues 
So all these uh, features are built in in these CRM tools. So of course, when it becomes a volume issue, there's the initial launch of the game where you need to get more maybe manual responses and communication with players in that initial stage of the game, mm -hmm. uh, game launch. And then later on, uh, when it's more scaled and there's a bigger volume of players sending in requests, then it's another issue, another stage. In, in a lot of like games that I've played, usually when you know something goes wrong, the game was down when it wasn't planned to be or something like that. Oftentimes I'll get like a support message, like we're sorry that you encountered this, like here's a free gift or something like, do any of those kind of standard systems that you've kind of used offer something like that? Yes, we, we've done that as well. So it, depend, it depends of course, what kind of issues, mm -hmm. uh, if it's a, uh, connection issue which you know happens quite often and uh, you know if you're reconnecting from wi-fi to another network or your phone operator connection and things like that usually there is a short period of progress that you might lose and things like that issues which can be automated uh, and send a response in in your game saying that hey uh, here's a compensation or this issue happened with all the other players if you had the same issue contact support so it's basically proactive um, kind of solutions and approaches to customer customer support and play, player support so it really depends on the issue but you know that also needs some digging deeper which players are affected it, might be only certain platforms, Android players who all got affected or uh, only iPhone users or iPad users with certain versions. So once those things are known with those issues, it's possible to do that kind of uh, proactive um, support contact deflection, deflection um, solutions. And the same with you know, publishing certain articles publishing it to all the social media channels that, hey, we had this issue, we had this um, bug that affected this many players or this certain players, yeah. please do this kind of troubleshooting. Yeah, that's great. Okay, let's keep moving on because time is quickly going and it's amazing how, how much awesome is. <laughs> um, okay, so you talked a little bit about at least in the beginning, kind of your experiences on the startup side, when you're like building the game, just getting it out there, maybe that like soft launch phase or whatnot. It's really important to be hearing from players and how they're reacting and stuff like that. So it sounds like this is a little bit more than analytics, which might also kind of be important. But um, what ways have you found that this like reactions kind of works? Like, is it surveys? Is it just like asking people on Discord? Like, what have you found actually works well to get this input and information in? Yeah, in the beginning stage, um, I think it's all, always depends how many players there are in order to, you know, to identify what what to use. Um, of course, there are sometimes the game team has already uh, built in certain analytics tracking for certain things for, you know, how long they're active or certain things that need to be tracked. So that's available already with a certain um, uh, analytics data. 
but then there are certain features that we really need to hear from the player experience. How did they uh, like certain features or the art uh, or um, you know certain uh, activity in the game? And that's always I found it personally with the game teams that I worked with is to have um, active communication. Uh, with uh, Discord, if there is a in-game um, in-game in chats, uh, I've urged the teams to build in certain kind of this um, announcement, dev announcement, uh, in-game chat features where you could ask them to send in their feedback or even discuss it in the in-game chats. So we could follow up what they're actually discussing and how did they like certain things or what they're actually saying about the feature and different attacks if it's a battle game and things like that. Um, and in Discord, it was quite often, since it was mostly uh, widely used, have a separate channel where we could ask this kind of feedback and suggestions channel. And the most active players who really like the game, they're often the most vocal ones and they get ideas and they share it. Uh, so it was good to have that kind of feedback loop also bringing it to the game team, uh, what, what and to designers and the art team, what they're saying. Since uh, in the beginning stage, there's not that many players, it's manageable, it's yeah. very doable. And it's actually nicer that way to really build up to bigger kind of you know player base. Because as we already talked, those players who feel uh, connected and have direct communication with development team, mm -hmm. they become the kind of the promoters of the game as well, who also become the supporters of the game, <laughs> and, you know, who are helping even the uh, organic growth. <laughs> Get all your friends to come join it. Yeah, that's exactly, great. exactly. So it's, uh, I think it's that initial part is very important to have try to build this kind of a, a smaller community and grow that. Uh, from that point on and uh, but then of course when it's uh, bigger player volumes and bigger users long, uh, then it's a it's a different thing it's about sending out surveys uh, we've had you know specific surveys that are sent out to players and sometimes it works sometimes it didn't work because you know players don't like being disrupted uh, interrupted during their gameplay uh, to answer a survey uh, and answer very detailed questions. So in those cases, we also try to give some, you know, in-game currency or something nice compensations where they are rewarded for their time and work. So it's about, I think, testing and seeing how your how your player base reacts. If anyone is interested in like surveys, I recommend like researching Jagex and listening to some of their talks and things like that. Cause they've been oh, yes. for the yes. longest time. And in some cases they'll have like 97% of their players like finishing like two hour long surveys or something that aren't reward. Like it blows my mind how they've done it, but very yeah. fascinating stuff. But yeah, uh, I think it, it really depends also, you know, on um, how invested players are. There are, players who love the game so much that they are willing to, you know, answer all the questions. They want to, you know, do everything asked and um, they will, yeah, they will take their time to really answer all the questions, but then some that are not, 
So in the beginning stage, of course, when you want a bigger kind of volume of players to respond, there are many different things. And what one other thing we've, we've done is that not to have this um, disrupted like pop-ups in the, in the game, but try to send it out uh, like via the in-game chats, uh, you know, as a separate kind of channel where you could uh, answer surveys or answer some questions. So, yeah, I think it depends on the on the game. I love it. Okay, um, next we've got server backend tools. Um, what sort of things do these need to have so that you can actually like interact with players and do troubleshooting and stuff? Which you mentioned is you know pretty key. Uh, so. <clears throat> Yeah, backend tools have been, you know, quite important. So, um, and over years, I've used many different tools. Uh, some are really, really great, and some not so. So it led to me being uh, led it uh, for me to be a great learning experience on what kind of features are useful and what kind of features are lacking and what could be done. So with this uh, latest uh, tools project that I have done, I really enjoyed actually building those features uh, completely custom based on my experience, based on uh, things that I've used in the past and we built it in-house. So the most, um, the useful ones, and I think it's always a, kind of a pain point for a lot of games is to have the lost game progress uh, and lost game um, kind of that, uh, what is it? Uh, retraction kind of process. Mm -hmm. So, and then compensations, I would say. Those are two big things. Uh, when whenever the players are losing progress or their game account or any in-game uh, currency, it always becomes a big deal. And when you need to investigate and find out what happened, you really need the tools uh, where you can actually look up in, from the backend what ha what has happened <laughs> and to really. Um, continue that relationship building with the players to explain what the hell happened, uh, you know, how to solve it and, you know, how to communicate it and having the great tools really helps in that process of, uh, you know, serving your players, uh, the serving your player community. Yeah, no, that's great. Okay. Um, all right. You have moderation tools for in-game chat. I think pretty much everyone knows what that is, you know, filtering out all the profanities and really angry people and stuff like that. If you don't know what it is, go play a couple games of League of Legends. You'll learn fast. Um, uh, so then you had kind of live operation tools for development. Like, what are these and like, what's required in a live ops tool? Uh, yeah, so live ops tool was something, uh, for example, we added on top of, um, you know, having the support kind mm -hmm. of backend tools as we realized that it's something that could be, you know, all in one place. 
um, having the player kind of information to ease of service uh, for agents uh, as well as for our product managers or other team, or, you know, in, in the game teams uh, who are running the live ops for our producers and, and so on. Um, the most thing, the most useful thing that we found was, especially for multiplayer games, uh, to have the real-time deployments when mm. you deploy certain uh, live live, com live campaigns uh, that they are real time. So that was something that um, my team and also the game teams that we worked with and the backend developers worked quite hard on to really build the you know server ar architecture in a way that it is uh, you know all real time when especially uh, different game versions and different um, uh, kind of maps and different, you know, <clears throat> levels are involved that what we are deploying and campaigns that we're deploying for different uh, player uh, segments that are done very efficiently. Um, you maybe yeah. give an example, like you said live campaigns for somebody that maybe doesn't really know what that is. Like, could you maybe give an example of like what's contained in the live campaign or like what that really means? Yeah, so it's uh, basically um, a live campaign can be different updates. So it's quite, I think, uh, popular nowadays, nowadays or for a long time already that, you know, there's going to be soon a lot of Christmas and holiday campaigns, <laughs> holiday updates coming in with different, you know, custom more for holiday season updates. So those those are live because it's only for a cer certain period of time mm -hmm. uh, with uh, you know certain content, and it's gonna be removed after a while. So and and some of them actually stay. Some content stays, uh, for example, in-game decorations or uh, yeah. things like that. So. Yeah, those are considered live campaigns, which is, you know, done. Of course, they are planned in advance, but they need to be uh, done very quickly and taken out in a timely manner. And you get to serve uh, service players and uh, analyze the data very quickly since it's a very short time kind of campaigns most of the time, these live campaigns. And you really have to have that feedback loop as well. If uh, since it, you have to make sure that everything is working correctly, there are no issues. If there are issues, they are solved very quickly when they're deployed. Because considering the time frame, it's very live. <laughs> so it it kind of sounds to me like this is kind of like a almost like a control layer for your remote config, and that config can go down just. You know, over the air, no client updates and change the stuff so that, you know, as soon as the pumpkins config version comes down, we start to see the Halloween pumpkins everywhere. And then when you get the, you know, Christmassy one, snow appears everywhere kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, sometimes it is um, just some, you know, client work <laughs> and it, yeah, it really depends on the campaigns. Yes. Yeah to do this kind of thing like what else would i need beyond just like a you know the the google remote config in firebase or the unity remote config like what other things would i need to be able to achieve something like this mm, i don't have any experience uh working with firebase or unity 
configs. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure probably other games do that or game teams. Uh, but yeah, as you said, uh, Google uh, Google Sheets or sometimes even Excel Sheets are the configs that are, I think, still widely used. Um, yeah, in, a, in addition, I, for example, uh, the reason I built uh, the backend server tool was that I don't have to deal with that kind of <laughs> <laughs> details. Uh, where it is already connected to that, uh, you know, configs, everything that I can get in my user-friendly tool that we were building or the PMs or whoever is deploying uh, or the producers who are deploying it, they can easily get in a drop-down menu which one to use. <laughs> yep. So that's how we've done it. And then all the solutions, how they need to be stored, where they need to be stored in the AWS or if the config is in Excel or Google Sheet and who has responsibility to really change those configs. That, that is, you know, a detail that a user, a producer or, uh, you know, a PM, for example, the idea was they don't have to worry about it. <laughs> okay. So, I think yes, yes, of course. I'm going uh, to try it for two more questions. And then uh, I think we're, we're almost out of time. Um, so let's move to analytics tools real quick. Just give me like a, a high level, like what are some essential things that you would look for in an analytics tool? Uh, of course, it. I think it depends. Uh, what are we talking about in analytics? Is it uh, player support based? Is it for the whole game? Uh, you know, there are, different parts to, you know, analytics data. But uh, for the purposes that I um, used, for example, in, in, in support, in community, uh, I always was curious about, you know, the ticket numbers and which, uh, you know, issues are related to this bigger volume of uh, issues that we're receiving, and then matching it up with the active user uh, kind of the analytics numbers and really help to identify what are the issues that are happening, what can we do about it in the future to really proactively solve solutions and, uh, you know, serve players and maybe build in certain features even, uh, you know, that would um, identify or address those issues. So, and you know, analytics team usually has been very helpful in that, uh, really building in that kind of tracking tracking systems uh, already from the feature building point on. Um, so because the main point of analytics in, in my view is that to make sure to how you can do uh, the game making or the features or, you know, servicing your players even better and how to address some issues and proactively address them in, in the future and grow your game. Yeah, that's great. Okay, um, one last question. You talked a little bit about segmentation. You've also talked about player experience. Um, yes. <clears throat> what experiences have you had towards like, if I want to make a segment, like how have you found that it works well, or maybe it doesn't work well? Like what recommendations would you have for people that are trying to get more into segmenting? 
Mm. Yeah. So again, it comes to it, it comes down to when you have bigger volumes of uh, you know contacts from your players or uh, larger active user base, uh, larger player base, then it becomes um, you know the issues of choosing your battles. You know when you are trying to service uh, your players, uh, communicate with your players. Who do you provide the best service to, and how, and how to really make it efficient, and mm. how to really continue that uh, building the community and the relationship with your players? So then, you know, the segmentation is the is a really good way to do it. And I think different teams look at different uh, segments and you know work with their own ways. But for example active players and you know churn players or uh, paying players and non-paying players and the paying players they have their own segments uh, you know and then providing kind of service and uh, communication and uh, compensation based on those segments is yeah. always the you know best way to go of course when when we're talking about a bigger player player base and you know it, it's not always that non-paying players are um, you know not a priority sometimes depending on the game where you need uh, for example if it's a multiplayer game or if uh, you you need it's a battle matching game you need active players who are non-paying so yeah. if they are very active uh, and they're you know playing a lot but they're non-paying they are still high priority so really understanding the segments, and what do you need it for in the kind of analyzing your game and the, and the purpose, I think, is very important. And uh, trying to really address uh, and still keep communicating uh, with, with those players is really important. So, yes, I hope that's un <laughs> that answered a little bit to your question. Yeah. Great. Okay, so... Pretty much out of time, so I'm going to ask you one last unofficial question because sure. we are on the Mastering Retention podcast, of course, and that is, you know, what's one tip or trick or lesson you've learned over the years that, you know, how do you keep your players playing for longer, coming back day after day and hopefully year after year? Uh, okay, yeah, that's a really nice question. Uh, let me think. I think uh, what really helped me uh, at some point uh, in my career to really realize the meaning uh, how I work and uh, the way I work was in customer experience and uh, in mobile games is to really realize the impact you're giving because players are also people just like you who really love it and who really enjoy it sometimes they uh, find mobile games and that game playing uh, process as a as an escape sometimes from the reality you know really somewhere yeah. more magical or more creative more fun place to really forget the you know world troubles or their own troubles um, and we've had a lot of these kind of customer support messages where they really sent their thank yous or feedback and the reasons why they why they play which really was inspiring for me to you know for my job to how much actually impact uh, games have uh, for players and for people in general yeah. so I would say that I would say that really think 
of players and game making process from that perspective that you know they have a reason for you know playing um, and to make that process as nice as possible uh, not just as a you know money making machine but a really care and you know support and try to do the best uh, by building the right tools the right processes where you know people and players don't feel like they are just you know neglected or uh, not um, their issues are not addressed but having that more caring and um, you know approach to building communities and taking care of players and i think in that process uh, players want to come back because they feel cared and they have good memories playing these games even if they don't uh, you know end up playing in the future but it's always a big part of their life i think people always end up thinking about the games they've once played Spot on. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Bakit. Um, if people do have, you know, follow-up questions or anything for you, like, is there a good way for them to get in contact with you? Yes, absolutely. Um, I would love it if uh, people have questions and happy to answer them. Uh, my LinkedIn page uh, is a great place to reach out to me. I am quite active there, uh, even though I'm not posting <laughs> so many things <laughs> very often, but uh, I do like to uh, see the you know the professional and the gaming community and the, all the other professional communities to really interact and share their experiences and learnings. So um, yes, I'm hoping to be sharing more, uh, making more posts, uh, but that will be coming soon. Um, and I will be having a website launching soon, so that will be. That is being updated. You better, you better start following her <laughs> on LinkedIn and, and get ready for this website. This is exciting stuff. Yes, yes. So, uh, yes. And then you can, I think, visit my website and learn more. But LinkedIn is a good place. So please uh, visit, contact me or follow me. Send me a request to connect. Well, love it. Thank you so much. And thank you for all you're doing for the gaming community. It's amazing. Hey, thank you so much. It was a pleasure to talk to you about all the tooling and players and CRMs and game making. Awesome. All right. Cheers.